Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. Wherever you are in the world, it's Dolapo once again, aka Strive Auntie, back to you with another episode where we talk about all things navigating your 20s and unconventional career pathways. Today, I have a special guest here today. Um, in I think a few weeks ago, y'all had asked for someone in ESG, and you know, um, the gods have delivered. So I have Toby here with me today. Toby, uh, feel free to say hi to Strive Tribe. No, hi Strive Tribe. Um, yeah, my name is Toby. Um, I work in like the ESG and sustainability industry, and I'm excited to be here today. Thank you. So. When people say ESG, what is ESG? Like, I've done a little bit of, like, reading um, into, like, ESG in terms of, like, sustainability, but I don't fully get the picture. What is What does ESG really stand for? So ESG essentially stands for environmental, social, and governance. Um, so it's a term that was coined, you know, in the late 90s, um, and can be used interchangeably with sustainability. So sustainability is basically, you know, I'm ensuring that I am our actions today, we're able to carry out our actions today to meet our needs without impacting um, the needs of the future or of our kids or the next generation. So that's what it means to be sustainable. Um, but that term is kind of vague, um, you know, telling someone, you know, be sustainable, um, especially in a working environment or an industry doesn't really tell the story that you wanted to tell. So, you know, the term ESG was coined um, to basically, you know, reflect the key areas um, of sustainability that we need to focus on as, you know, as, as, as an industry and as a people. So it's environmental, um, with there's so many topics on the environmental, which basically has to do with how we both treat the cut, treat the environment we work in, how we contribute to climate change and how climate change could potentially impact us as well. Social has stuff to do with, you know, people essentially. So um, how do you treat your employees? How do you treat your communities? Diversity, equity, inclusion, health and safety. Um, so many topics can fall under, you know, um, social and then G for governance. Governance just relates to, you know, how, you know, policies um, around, you know, managing sustainability is you know how that's formed how that's managed you know for from a company perspective how your you know board of directors or how your um, senior leadership how they contribute to you know managing sustainability and ensuring that you know that's a part of the company's dna wow okay thank you for breaking it down um because yeah sustainability i i feel like especially once the 2030 sustainable SDG goals came out for a while. Everybody was like, okay, sustainability, but there wasn't really a defined like day to day. What does sustainability means? And it's really interesting to see how like, um, the ESG framework kind of buckets and provides a roadmap, um, for, um, companies to, to, to go by. Now, if we take a step back, did you always see yourself in ESG? Because ESG is a very, like, yes, it's been around for a while, but at the same time, it's it's pretty recent. Yeah, so, yeah, that's interesting question. So ESG used to be, <clears throat> um, back in the day, used to be CSR. So, so that it was most companies just had, you know, corporate social responsibility, which, you know, for some companies was just, you know, um, contributing to charities or being a charitable organization or just doing, you know, development with communities. 
Um, and ESG, you know, that's a more recent um, sort of development in terms of how far we've come. Um, for myself, I, I, I wasn't exactly, you know, in ESG, and I definitely didn't see myself as, you know, an ESG specialist or um, someone who would work in ESG because it simply didn't exist at the time, especially especially not to me. Um, I was um, more interested in, you know, a subset of, of ESG, which is climate change. So mm. uh, in my back in uni, in one of my research projects, um, I basically did a research project on, you know, uh, carbon capture, which is, you know, a technology that's been adopted today. Um, and that was kind of what I wanted to focus on, you know, just the climate climate change, carbon capture. Um, I didn't really think about, you know, you know, energy or renewables or even the social and governance aspect of it. But then as I started to work, you know, um, in, in different areas, I started to get more experience. Then I started to see how, you know, those th- things kind of need, like, for example, you need, if you're, if the environment's great, but you, you don't have people, then, yeah, you don't. You do, how is that going to work? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and if you don't have the right governance framework in place to, to ensure everything's governed well, to ensure, you know, there's compliance, then, you know, it doesn't work. So it's it's a great space to be in, in the fact that you're, I'm able to work with all the cross-functional roles mm-hmm. um, and, and, and see how everything basically interacts. Okay, so you mentioned that you wrote a paper about climate change, carbon capture. What was the impetus for that? Like, what inspired, why climate change? Like, you could have chosen... I'm guessing something else to write about. What, like, what was that catalyst for you? Yeah, I think for me it was okay to 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 back, you know, go way back before I got into university. Um, <clears throat> I I I'm Nigerian, so I come from a you know oil and gas producing country. Um, you know, as a kid, everyone you're you're either trying to be an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor. Or, you know, something like one of those things that your, you know, parents tell you it's, you know, there's maybe five or six occupations that, you know, everyone sort of, sort of forces down your throat. For me, I wanted to be, you know, a chemical engineer. I didn't know why. Ah, I just, okay. it just sounded, it just sounded, I, I wanted to be a footballer, but like, you know, they said, you know, chemical engineering. Wow. Um, yeah. So I decided to, you know, study chemical engineering mm-hmm. um, and, but, you know, luckily for me, like when, because I, I went to university in England and during that time, you know, the, the Europe and the EU are actually, you know, one of the biggest pushers of like climate change and ESG and sustainability. So in that time, you know, studying chemical engineering, environmental engineering and environmental social engineering was a really key topic that was being, you know, sort of included in the curriculum. Mm. So we were doing engineering, we were doing, you know, calculations, um, you know, all the crazy formulas and all that, but there was also that side where it's like, if anyone's going to solve the, you know, the climate issue that that's impending, it would be, you know, you guys coming up with solutions. Um, and so that was a part of like what I was learning. Okay. And, you know, so in my, during my master's and then doing my research projects, you know, that was something that then resonated with me. I, I wanted to, you know, I, my topic was basically, you know, c- carbon capture from, you know, steel slag. It's, it was some waste product that was produced from like cement manufacturing or steel manufacturing, sorry. 
and how we can use that to essentially cap capture carbon from you know the atmosphere. So that was my project. So it was it was basically it wasn't always there. It yeah. just kind of you know it was a gradual sort of process wow. from school. Yeah. So do you still want to be a baller or are you trying to be a millionaire instead? <laughs> I mean, I still, I still play. I play, okay. I play, I probably play, you know, three to four times a week. Oh, wow. That's and pretty frequent. Yeah. Yeah. But now I just, I just play, I played, I played college. So, okay. yeah, but now I just play, you know, recreationally. So I, I'm more focused on work now. Okay. Getting, getting paid. Getting Exactly. So you're not being a baller, you're being a millionaire. Yeah. I was just bringing up the, 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 the TikTok reference as yeah. the Gen Z and me would. But you mentioned, you know, you grew up in Nigeria. So like, I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of like a sequence of events. Um, oh. And I know nothing really happens sequentially, right? Um, like you mentioned, it was kind of things like kind of unfolded, but if we were to go back to, you know, um, younger Toby, um, why football? Like what about football made you excited? And then, uh, and then we can dig into later on chemical engineering and now ESG, but why football? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, I mean, back in Nigeria, that's probably, I mean, football is the most popular sport in, in Nigeria and maybe most of Africa as well um yeah it just i th i feel like that was pretty much every kid's escape i'm not sure about now you know because you know now we have phones social media you know games back then you know it was basically you know come back from school go out with your friends play football go back home it was so i'm not sure if i love I, I love it because i love it or i love it because you know i had no other choice mm. but either either way it just it was just there and and then I I think because I, I'm, because I was I didn't enjoy it and then I was good at it so mm -hmm. that helped so being good at it meant you know I was I obviously wanted to do something I was good at so you know carried on doing that you know and then continued you know till I was in uni so yeah nice. it's now now it's I can't I can't do without you know playing it's it's a part of my life now that's amazing and when you mentioned that you did it in uni did you get a scholarship while playing um, soccer or were you well, ooh, I said soccer. I mean football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I can see, I can feel the side <laughs> eye through the camera. Um, but yeah, did you did you play as part of the team? Was it part of like your university um, scholarship and things like that? Yeah, so it's a bit different in, in 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 you know in the UK compared to North America, where you know North America like you there's such a huge emphasis on sports and like this it's such a money maker like that you can you know essentially do all that in the uk it's basically if you decide to go to school then you decide you have to make a choice mm. you either go to school or you go join an academy um, and then or you get picked up by a scout so before actually going into university i um so when i was doing like sixth form which is basically like year 12 and year 13 i actually had a few opportunities to work with some scouts and like um you know potentially try out for some clubs um but you know yeah it was my parents said you know you need to you need to focus on focus on one choose one um and i actually ultimately made the choice to you know to to go go to uni uh just because like it's it is competitive like playing soccer like professionally like there are people who were playing since they were like four in an you know in organized academies and for me at 
15, that would have been late to actually mm. start. So, yeah, it sounds crazy, but it, yeah, people play like way, way, way earlier. So, mm. I decided to go into like go to, to uni and you know, pay my fees and all that. But, like, at the same time, you're still able to compete. Like, there's, there's sports, especially football, is super competitive. So, it's it's semi pro at that level. So, I played, obviously, I wasn't getting paid or anything, but, um, yeah, I played at that level. I had access to training, gym, all that facility, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it was it was pretty good. I, I and looking back, yeah, I I I I think I made the right choice. I mean, and at the same time, you're, <laughs> you're still playing today, right? Exactly. Like exactly. It, it it wasn't something that you just like put in a box and forever, um, never like on t- like touched again. But one of the things that I think it's like really important to maybe even make a distinction of is. Um, I would love to hear maybe some of the things you learned from playing um, and mm. how that transferred into your uh, professional career as an ESG consultant now. Like, what are some things that you really learned from um, the art of football that you still, like, keep with you till today? Yeah. No, I think uh, most importantly, it's, you know, teamwork. That's the number one, you know, one thing. Like, you... you like especially organized football, you can't win by yourself. Like you need to, um, you need to work as a team. And now, now in in the ESG space that I find myself, um, being part of such a cross-functional. So I'm not I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a, um, you know, HR specialist. I'm not. Um, I I'm I'm not a waste management expert. But I'm able to work as the you know sort of the center point internally in my organization. Uh, with all these teams and and you know essentially make things work with them so it's it's i it's not it does it it's not it's, it's not really not worth it trying to be you know jack of all trades um it actually helps you know to to work with teams know how to interact with people which is something you learn like when you play know how to communicate you know verbally um or you know not non-verbally as well um, that those those are, those are definitely things like leadership as well. Um, I was captain of my team for a few years as well, so that helps you know to sort of drive teams. I have you know team members. I have analysts who report to me, and now I know how to sort of drive conversations, meaningful conversations as well. You know, 360, 360 feedback. Those those are teams where you, those those are things that you kind of learn mm-hmm. in like a team setting. Yeah. And yeah, those definitely things I feel like I, I've I've learned from playing. Yeah, I think it's it's really important for like parents or, you know, future parents that might be listening. I think especially in the immigrant community, I, I know that sometimes anything that's not viewed as like academic, it's like a waste of time. It's like, why are you even doing that? Like, what is the point? Like, you should be fixing your books, and you know, and, and getting yeah. like as a, as high um, as possible, like marks as you can. But I think it's important to also like really emphasize on some of the things you mentioned, right? In terms of like some of the transferable skills that you were able to learn from the art of playing football through, you know, from when you were young all the way to like even in university and how you actually use that till today in in your professional career as well. Um, What advice would you give maybe someone who is like a young athlete or a parent of a young athlete who still wants them to, you know, also be in the corporate space what would you what would you give as a as a as an advice yeah i think i think to the parents like i mean 
parenting is like it's a full-time job you know your kids are always going to be your kids so you kind of have to just give them that support so it's it might be tough you know it might be difficult driving them to games out of town you know um but if the talent is there like you need to encourage you need to you need to make time you need to just keep pushing like it's there's nothing better than like getting your kid to do what they actually love and enjoy because you actually benefit from that in the future as well. Like you're not you're not stressed. You feel like you've done a great job. You can pat yourself on the back. Um, and to obviously to the kids as well. Like it's also understanding like that parents aren't like they're humans as well. So mm. when they say certain things, it's they only say it out of love. Like I'm I'm, I'm speaking about obviously the sensible parents anyway. So yeah, <laughs> they say it out of love. You know, if they say oh I want you to be in school, they don't they don't say that because like. They don't want you to have fun they're paying for it like i mean for the most part anyway so why would you want to pay for something you know if they feel like they just don't want you to have fun like they 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 know they obviously they don't have like they don't have the perspective that you may have but it's just understanding having that understanding and being able to um i guess present like your your ideas and your thoughts mm. in a way that they understand so if you if you if you're an athlete, you like to play, um, and your parents say, "Oh, we, we also want you to, you know, go to school." You know, you you kind of figure out a way where you can say, "Oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go to school. I'm going to make you proud. I'm going to, you know, let them know how you're going to put in all that effort to make, you know, to satisfy, you know, yourself and them as well." So it's it's about understanding where they're coming from, mm-hmm. and it's obviously it's about the parents also starting to understand where you come from as well so it's hmm. it's just a sort of meeting in the middle it so. sounds like you have experience in this i'm curious if you have <laughs> stories for us like has there been <laughs> has there been a time where you you had to you know make a case and present your case to to your parents i think for, for me it, it wasn't even with the with the whole like playing it was more with at some point like i had like i i did like a career change yeah from what to what? Was, so, so basically, I've had a couple. So I, I like, I, I started off like, you know, just doing like process engineer. Okay. Excuse me. Started off doing like process engineering, and um, which is kind of what I studied, you know, chemical engineering, and then I decided to, you know, switch, like make make a switch into like consultant. Mm. Um, and it was pretty early in my career, so it wasn't really a problem. I um, made that switch. And, you know, did that for, you know, about three, four years. And then at that point, I wanted to then, you know, move back into like the environmental space and then move into ESG. And, you know, it was then having that conversation with, with my one of my parents and then saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I feel like I'm going to be more impactful mm. you know, in this ESG space. This is what I want to do. And for for him it was more why like you have a great job mm. you you've built your because at the time i worked for you know a really big um consulting firm um like a multinational firm and it was like you've gotten promoted year in year on you know why would you decide like you're like you're a young guy you know you get stable because obviously for, for that generation is about you know stability 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 and for you know i'm a millennial so 
and not even compared to Gen Z, like, but millennial were a bit more, okay, let's take risk, and then Gen Z just, you know, we're, we're like, <laughs> let's shake up the table, yeah, like, like you know, <laughs> yeah, we're, like, so, so, so for me, it was, I wanted to do something fulfilling, like, mm. and they couldn't really understand this, like, mm -hmm. you know, this is a great job, this is nice, this should be fulfilling, and I'm like, oh, no, so it was, you know, back and forth having those conversations, and then I had to start to, you know, speak the language that they understood and started to say, okay, this is why, this is how, you know, started to almost even set timelines, you know, and then, you know, now today, obviously, if I say, oh, remember that conversation, I'm sure he wouldn't remember. You'd probably say, yeah, I, I told you to go for it. But, you know, now it's, it's, it's about having those conversations hmm. and not being discouraged as well. You know what you want to do, so hmm. go for it. What kept you going, like, even in the parts where you might have faced, like, um, not pushback, but, you know, a little bit of resistance in, in the terms of being encouraged to just, like, stay within the career you had started with, right? Like, you mentioned you were making good money, you were um, within a great multinational firm, you were continually getting um, promoted. What kept you, like, to keep going, right? Because, like shifts that are not the norm right like that aren't normal within like our social groups or like social constructs that we have sometimes it's a it's a mental battle to be able to like speak up even for yourself so like what was what allowed you to be able to speak up for yourself yeah i think for me it was basically just i know i kind of know what i want mm -hmm. i know the, i know what i want out of life um i definitely don't think like work should be something that you know you almost have to psych yourself up to go to regardless of how much you're getting paid or whatever that whatever that thing is the only the only time like you you could do that is if you maybe don't know what what else you want to do you're not sure so you're just doing this to get by and then figure things out but once you once you have things figured out then yeah i don't think work is something that you know i i enjoy going to work now I enjoy doing what I do, um, and that's kind of what I had envisioned for myself at that time mm. was, you know, actually doing something um, impactful, doing something that, you know, that was good for my mental health, doing something that I enjoyed. Because at that point, it doesn't feel like work anymore. It just feels like, you know, just doing your thing, and you're happy to talk about it, you're happy to discuss it. Like, um, So, yeah, I think that what, what, what would give you that push is once you've feel strongly that there's something out there mm. that can give you that peace of mind, you know, give you everything, like give you everything, you know, that, that you need to survive as a human being. So, you know, help you financially, help you mentally, you know, help you socially as well. Like once you know that there's, that thing exists, then, you know, that would be the push to, to actually go out there. Obviously it might not be like a linear move. Like of you course. just jump from one thing to another. You might have to do a few more things. I had to do things like, like what? you know, to get to that point. So I had to upskill. I had to, you know, go back to, um, cause I had been out of like the science and engineering space. I went back, you know, did a few more certifications. Um, I even, you know, this with all my, I even ended up doing a co-op, you know, did a co-op. Um, and then, you know, from the co-op, like, I got like retained full time and you know, it was basically, oh yeah, we could tell that you have work experience. So 
but then if I didn't decide to take that co-op, if I just felt like it would be linear, if I, you know, didn't upskill or speak to people, I got out of my comfort zone, started to be a bit more vocal about what I wanted, you know, those type of things. Like you need to, because at the end of the day, you need to realize that you're doing this for yourself. Mm. Um, it's an investment in yourself and there's no, no points like cheating yourself or selling yourself short. So anything you need to do for yourself, you might as well just do it. So yeah, that's that's how that's how it pretty much worked out for me. Nice. No, I like that. Um, what as the old adage says, whatever is worth doing, it's worth doing well. And I think sometimes exactly. it's easier to have that mindset when it comes to like work or like other like things you need to do externally of you. But like when it comes to like our own goals or our own like personal investments in ourselves i think it takes a little it takes a little while um, before you can sometimes have that mental shift but there's some people and i applaud the people that have that like just audacity to be like no this is what i want and i'm gonna go for it um you mentioned a little bit like certifications that you did and, and whatnot so how did you become um or how did you pivot to ESG because it sounded like you were doing a little bit more of like um, working in in consulting and things like that what what was that progression like from your traditional field to now in ESG yeah so so part of what I meant by you know almost even push putting myself out there was um, so when I finished like some of my certifications in like environmental compliance and control I then started to, the co-op was in a consulting firm, but mm. they were engineering consulting, which was more in line with what I wanted to do. Um, and I was working, uh, you know, doing like environmental compliance, environmental audits. Um, and then every now and again, like there would be opportunities to like work on like ESG related projects, the full scope of ESG. Cause before it would just be, oh, I do an environment and then I get thrown onto a project to you know, manage just the environmental aspect. But um, we started to get a lot of requests to do like the full scope ESG. And then I started to just, you know, you know, almost like nominate myself to be part of those projects. And and being a, being a consultant helps in the fact that you're essentially doing it for the client. Mm-hmm. Um, you It's fast paced, you learn quickly. And the, you also have references from other projects that have been done. So I just started to go ham and like, you know, do a lot of projects for, for clients. Um, and then, you know, did that for a few years, you know, moved companies, you know, led some projects. And then, you know, ultimately I um, had one, one client reach out, you know, basically to say, do you want to do this internally for us? Um, as you know, as our ESG and sustainability lead. Um, and so I then made the switch. So it was basically, me then taking all the knowledge and experience that I had used to help clients um, and just now just focus on one company. So um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much. And, and like I said, with ESG, it's so many things um, involved Mm -hmm. that like, like there's, there's a huge influence from legal, like, like you don't have to like, you know, get called to the bar or like go and study law. It's more about, you know, being able to manage. So it's more about project management. It's Hmm. more about being able to bring everyone together, you know, being able to bring all these topics together, being uh, in tune with like 
ESG and sustainability regulations, actually educating the internal stakeholders, letting them know, okay, this is what the regs say, how can we achieve this working with them? So it's 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 more, you know, it's more of a cross-functional sort of relationship. And yeah, being a consultant definitely helps with that. Wow. Um, I think one of the biggest like takeaways from what you just mentioned there is the ability to put yourself out there. Because if you did not um basically nominate yourself for those ESG type projects within like the uh, previous organization you worked for, the kind of like unveiling slash opportunity for you to work directly like internally with another company to do this full time might have not presented itself. Maybe it might have, but not as much, right? Because then like you already from that built up experience to actually be able to lead it within an internal team. So like, I think for anyone that's listening, if you are trying to, you know, venture into a new career path, number one, or just even ESG in general, start looking at, you know, what are examples or small projects that you can start doing um, within the current organizations um, that you are in. And if it doesn't exist in the current organization you're in, like what are other ways you can create those opportunities for yourself? I know a lot of other guests on the podcast talk a lot about creating opportunities for themselves in terms of um, whether that's volunteering or creating um, a project of their own that they're able to then use to build their portfolio um, on a larger scale. Um, And so that kind of like segues into my next question for you. For anyone that might be listening in like, you know, later years in uni, let's say, say like they're about to finish university. What advice would you give to them um, regarding working in ESG? What are ways they can get into the industry? Yeah, I think yeah, it's a great question. I I, I get that question a lot because um, you know ESG sustainability. It's it's obviously it's a hot topic right now. It is. Um, I honestly just think it's one of the most important things to do is just staying knowledgeable on like ESG sustainability related topics. So, so just, just, um, even if it's, you know, following a few news outlets or, you know, there's, there's some great, great pages on LinkedIn as well, where there's announcements on what's new in, you know, sustainability reporting today, what's new, what are the new standards that are coming out? What are the new frameworks? You know, reading up on UN SDGs, um, reading up on um, something called, you know, TCFD, um, reading up on, on, you know, GRI, SASB. There's so many, you know, um, sustainability and ESG related, you know, reporting um, standards and frameworks. Being sort of aware that those exist, I think that's a that's a huge step because everything else, you know, it's like I said, it's sort of project management based. Like mm. you, um, unless you specifically work in uh, um, in a specialized area in ESG sustainability, it's pretty everything you've learned in school, every work experience that you've had or not had is actually valuable. So that's the, if you worked in finance, like I, it's, it's still valuable. If you worked in legal, it's fine. It's, if you worked in engineering, it's, it's, you know, it's valuable. It's, it's just being able to, um, understand why ESG, why sustainability, 
if you have that you know basic knowledge you know why you know why you want to be in that industry you know what the goals are you know what the point of actually you know being in that industry is then it helps a lot and then you know everything else just comes like unless you do like um like i said if you focus on like climate change there's there's people who then you know then specialize in actually creating like climate change scenarios okay um for companies which is basically um the the, the ipcc so it, they have they've published you know i'm sure everyone's probably heard of this in terms of you know global warming is happening um over the next you know 20 30 40 50 years there's potential to you know hit certain um temperatures that would be detrimental to to human beings um, um and now you know with what what the corrective action is you know us as human beings then saying what are our you know net zero goals how do we cut down on you know carbon emissions you know how do we decarbonize the economy how do we switch from carbon fossil fuels to you know electric electricity mm -hmm. clean energy those are those are sort of the topics that are going on right now so so as part of that like there's this thing called a scenario analysis where there's different like it's like oh if we don't do if we do nothing these are the temperature levels that we'll get to if we do this much you know we're going to get to this level if we you know do really well then this is where we're going to get to so there are people who specialize in actually going into different companies um and just letting them know like based off of your operations and based off of everyone else this is how you this is what would happen mm. if you in the next 20 years or 30 years so and, yeah sorry to cut you off for those scenarios or even you know you talked about project management is needed you know having mm -hmm. a good understanding of um what's going on in the esg space is it a industry where you need like a master's program to like to work in what are your thoughts on that um no you, you, you unless the way i see master's degrees is if it's beneficial to you then definitely like um don't do a master's just because you know that's that's what looks cool to do or that's the next step i would if you if you would if you wanted to do a master's in sustainability my advice would be maybe even work in the industry mm. first if you can i mean i'm not saying like the jobs are just gonna come jump into you after you finish uni but if you get an opportunity to work work and then see what you actually enjoy if it's like i said climate change and um, social diversity or any of those topics and then if you enjoy any of those topics or you want to specialize then do a master's in that topic specifically ah, okay as opposed to a general just doing one a masters yeah because a general one like just means you have a general master's but you still end up you probably have to still do like certifications or more learnings to be you know, a specialist in that topic. So I would say if you can get some work experience and then specialize by doing a master's or just doing certifications. Got it. Got it. And then when it comes to, um, on an overall basis or like a day to day, what does your day to day look like? Like today is what May 9th. Um, <laughs> what is a, an average day, um, for you look like working in ESG? Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. Every day is different just because like I said, it's, I work with all the cross-functional groups in my org. 
Uh, my primary goal, I guess my primary goal, like for end of year, would be, you know, publishing um, an ESG report or sustainability mm. report. So, how, how big are those reports? Yeah, it's, they could range between, you know, 60 pages to 200 pages. So it depends, depends on, I, I'm more, I'm on the 60, 70 page side because 200 is just, no one's reading. I was, I'm pages. like, that's a textbook, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm I I am I'm more of an advocate to do you know sixty seventy pages. Um, anything else you know you can find on your website or you know you can reach out if you want to know more. So, but yeah, ultimately everything I do builds up to my ESG report. But like day to day would be interacting with different different internal stakeholders, responding to external requests from customers, clients, investors. You know, um, you know, being part of board meetings um that's something that i do um also you know i have i sort of lead my team so sort of helping out my team um providing training to them if required um being in meetings at, attending like seminars speaking i do speaking engagements as well on behalf of the company um yeah it's it it's i generally don't it's it's hard to write a job description it's basically just doing any anytime there's you know sustainability mentioned in an email or mm -hmm. conversations within the company, there's my my name just pops up somewhere. So I just I open my email and I see my name. I'm like, okay, I guess I have to deal with this now. So, but it's it's fun. So, it's it helps you get a great idea of what's going on in your organization because you're pretty much involved in everything. everything. Mm. And like you're almost you get to almost represent your organization on that topic as well. Nice. Um, but that that's amazing. I really love the way you've painted it. And it it sounds like it's not like monotonous. Like it doesn't sound like oh. you're doing the same thing every single day. Um, yeah. number one. Um, but I also love the fact that you get to work with like multiple teams, number one, project management. It it really sounds like a interesting feel because again, I, I've just been hearing like ESG everywhere. Like I see on almost like every few LinkedIn titles I see, there's ESG in there. Yeah. Um, uh, so thank you so much for coming on here and sharing with um, Strive Tribe your career journey and like what it means to be working in ESG. I have a few rapid questions for you. Are you yeah. ready? Okay, let's let's have it. <laughs> Favorite Afrobeat song? Uh, Don't Doll by Whiskey. Ooh, Whiskey. The man never shows up to his concert, but his music is good. <laughs> yeah, um, favorite season? Um, Sprig. Oh, so like right now. Great, great yeah. choice. Great choice. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Dog. Dog? Yeah. Okay. I don't own one, but I, I owned a few growing up. Okay. But I like dogs. Yeah. Small one or big ones? I like big dogs. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. big dogs are like... They're cute. No, I had like a big, I was going to say they're cute, but like sometimes they're cute. I once had a, a big dog I, I took care of for a while. They're just, they have so much energy. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. So That's why I don't have that energy right now, that, which is why I don't own one right now. Yeah. But if I did, I'd, yeah, it'd be a big dog for me. Okay. That's fair. And last question, favorite football league? Oh, Premier League, English Premier League. Yeah. And what's your favorite yeah. team? Arsenal. Arsenal. Pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you once again, um, Toby. If people want to connect with you, um, what's the best way they can reach you? 
Um, yeah, LinkedIn. You know, Toby had saw me on LinkedIn. You could just shoot me a message or um, can you? Can you? I think so. Yeah, I think shoot so. me a message. Okay. And then, yeah, just let me know your um, from, you know, Stripe Tribe. And then <laughs> I'll, I'll respond. I'll okay. respond to you. Sounds good. I'll have it in the show notes as well um, for okay. anyone um, that might have not caught that. But thank you once again. And I will see y'all Strife Tribe in the next episode. Take care. All right, thanks.